Hello, I'm Jessica Alana. Welcome to The Flow Within, where I discuss all things health and wellness, spirituality, and my general life experiences in order to teach you how to thrive and transmute your pain into love. I'm your host, a scientist, whose aim is to bridge the gap between alternative medicine and data-backed science. I also have my own practice where we can work together and I'm a professional biohacker. My mission is to help you find your flow within. Hello, hello Timu, how are you today? I'm very good, how are you doing Jessica? I'm very well, thank you. So thank you for joining me on this podcast today. I'm very lucky. You're one of the top five biohackers in the whole world, even though I would say the best. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's a definition that is hard to put your finger on. Like You have to first define what biohacking is. And uh, definitely there is different influencers who talk about these things. And then there's people who the, are... Yeah, yeah. Boundaries and being example, so I'm humbled about your opinion on that. You so, are the best, uh, yes. You're the one thanks. with the most knowledge, and you have the biohacking summits and biohacking central, and your book is just amazing. All of your books, so yes, I would say that's what I would say. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm Jessica and I'm a biomedical scientist and today Timu and I, we're going to talk about how we met, we're going to talk about the Biohacking Central, the Biohacking Summit and we're going to talk about the Finnish Summit which is happening in the summer and then we're going to go on and talk about health span, why it's better than lifespan and Timu's top recommendations and then a little bit about my specialty which is hyperbaric oxygen. Lovely. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we met through the biohacking space. I actually messaged Timu. I came across his profile and I thought his profile was really cool. And I had a look at his pictures and I messaged him. And I'm very grateful. And we started talking and became friends. And then I went to visit him in Estonia. And I've been twice. And the first time I went to visit Timu and the second time I went to the retreat, which was amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a privilege to know you. And uh, the Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> yeah, and the whole, whole retreat is was, of course, like quite a special moment. So we had people gathered from all around the world in a time when we live in um, kind of different types of restrictions and it has basically set up a stage for people to kind of the need to come together and share and experience and also be of service and learn and yeah, yeah that retreat was very special event for me myself as well um, so not too many events during during the pandemic and it it was great it was amazing. It was really international, which was surprising. There was people from Miami, New York. Uh, there was all different kinds of people there. And um, it was really fun. I had a really good time. Yeah, and a lot of knowledge as well. And if anyone listening is interested, go to biohackersretreats.com. Our next event is in the end of uh, April. So 28 to 30 of April, 
the which next event block. is that that's the bikers retreat same location um, in estonia yeah in estonia so oh okay yeah. great yeah nice and it's going to be in the same area yeah it's in the same place and oh great well, we optimize the content and there's different people there but definitely it is uh, one of the top biking related retreats one can can join in and it's not just because of the content but because of the quality of people who come there yeah i agree i met some really interesting people there there was a lot of founders um a lot of people in charge of longevity and regenerative medicine funds and then there was a lot of biohackers there as well so it was super fun it's a good networking event very good networking event yeah yeah and after that like in on three and four of june we have the biker summit which is a week-long experience yeah it starts with the optimized day workshop which is like a full day from the morning when you wake up to the evening when you go to sleep like how you can optimize different parts of your day in and like living through it um, in guidance of some of the top experts that are coming to the conference and then the next day for vips we have the upgraded dinner which is a, a whole evening workshops last dinner where you participate in making biohacking optimized meals and you learn a lot about different ingredients and combination of those in guidance of um, some experts as well as a nordic award-winning chef his name is sami talbert and we have all kinds of wild ingredients that we use and then that's a great start as a networking and then we have the summit itself which is two days three and four of june and of course, we have the conference program, but most of the things happen off stage uh, in the exhibition area in the VIP lounge. So we have a lot of different experiences there. And one of kind of iconic parts of our conference is the thermogenic spa, which in which features different types of uh, saunas, traditional Finnish sauna, infrared saunas. Um, we also have some cryotherapy um, and people who are guiding you through the best ways to do heat alteration it's kind of right in the conference itself so the whole conference is like a theme park and it's a good place not just to come and learn but it's also a good place to find the others uh, find other people interested in optimizing health and well-being yeah and after, yeah after the conference we have amazing beach party so basically we have a beach 27 degrees it's like being on the beach of Goa or something like this with some wicked wicked tunes and DJs and guided sessions, meditation, ecstatic dance. And uh, on Sunday, the kind of the final day of the week, we have upgraded offsite, which is happening in the archipelago um, outside of Helsinki in wilderness in nature where we have like optimized recovery uh, full day uh, with with some of the VIP guests and sponsors and exhibitors and speakers. It's it's great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And it's in June. So most likely we will also organize some kind of wild foraging trip to collect some ingredients for the upgrade dinner because it's just the perfect season for wild herbs and 
wild food. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, I'm also happy to to know that you you will be also there speaking about, I guess, yes. stuff like that. Yes, I can't wait. So I'm so lucky. I'm so honored. I'm so grateful. Timu has asked me and offered me the amazing opportunity to speak at the summit. And I'll be speaking on behalf of the Wellness Lab and our hyperbaric oxygen. And we're going to have a stall there. And then I'm going to be talking about its wonderful benefits. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, Timu. My pleasure. We haven't had hyperbaric oxygen as a topic on the stage in the, our summit. Wow. So it's good to have that topic covered as well. It's definitely yeah, one yeah. that has a lot of research and efficacy behind it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm really excited. It's going to be my first big speaking gig. So I have a lot of practice. Um, I'm sure Timu can coach me. <laughs> he knows his stuff very well. Yeah, I've been I've been a professional speaker for over ten years, and you've won so many awards. Yeah, there's there's some some recognitions there, but like during the pandemic, most of the presentations have gone online, and I'm really looking forward to being face to face again. Yeah, you can wear your cool glasses on the bow tie. Yeah. I love those. Yeah, yeah you bet <laughs> I have like some crazy outfits. Good. Good, yeah, me too. I'm gonna have my hair, my makeup beat. <laughs> mm. Nice. All right, what what are we gonna talk about? What's okay, yeah. So I wanted you to define a health span, and I wanted you to explain why it's better than lifespan. Right. So when we talk about lifespan, it's about, of course, like extending um, the years in your life. But for many people, it means living with chronic disease or with medication or different treatments and so on that are lowering the quality of your life. I think lifespan or long lifespan is not the end goal that people really want. What they want is to have healthy years in their life where their body and their mind, their brain, everything is working optimally and without um, disability or unnecessary mm that might have side effects so in the end like if you look at the world 27 percent of world population lives with um chronic disease so that would be diabetes cardiovascular disease um any kind of degenerative disease that breaks down the body in some way it can be also like chronic inflammation autoimmune disease and stuff like that now if you live old enough let's say 65 and plus, you're more likely to have two or more chronic diseases. Actually, 67% of people who live more than 65, they have more than two chronic diseases that they're battling with. So in modern time, we have been able to double life expectancy from about 40 years to over 80 on average. And if we take all the technology that exists today to extend lifespan, you probably could easily add another 10 years on the average um, in the clock. But there's still a lot of things that we're battling, like cancer and many other things. But we are kind of making progress in the medical side how to do this. And actually, one of the big reasons why we have been able to extend lifespan is the massive breakthroughs that we have seen in medicine. So 
different treatments, surgeries, um, uh, even even medications like antibiotics, even vaccines, uh, different drug therapies, um, novel stuff as well, like stem cell therapies, uh, all, all kinds of things have actually enabled us to extend lifespan. So it's less likely as your age or my age to die of, let's say, infection or a viral, viral infection, for example. It's more likely that you die traumatically in a car accident. So having your mm -hmm. seat belt on is a very smart idea at your age. But, um, well, we have all the drug therapies and stuff like that to keep you alive. But as we live older, the prognosis and kind of the outlook of your health is more likely to have different overlapping conditions and issues. And many of those are linked to modern lifestyle, uh, increased stress, lack of movement, uh, kind of um, the overutilization of monocrops and eating specific items over and over again, too much sugar, nutrient poor diets, um, antibiotic loaded meat and poultry uh, and i mean there's there's just a lot of like imbalances in our ecosystem that lead into imbalances in the microbiome and the, the homeostasis of our bodies that <clears throat> are contributing factors to heart disease and diabetes and, and and so on maybe even as you grow up to things like autism and mm -hmm. we just like we're just like unfolding how the things that were supposed to save us in terms of modern life, like cars and air conditioning and uh, sunscreen and uh, <laughs> with like mass production qualities. And it's, it's like, we're just discovering that the things that were supposed to help us and save us are actually also shortening our lifespan. So what has happened in us is that the average life expectancy has actually dropped the first time in decades we see after the war like after the second world war, we see a drop in life expectancy and it's not because of famines or war or any of that stuff it's it's because of our modern lifestyle being obese <clears throat> if you look at the obese statistics globally we have um let's say in europe for example on average i looked at different countries um over 50 to 60% of the population in different countries are overweight and 20% are obese. And obesity is a major contributing factor to all-cause mortality and uh, a leading factor for death um, in the context of chronic disease. So you're actually more likely to be hospitalized not because of some virus that goes around, but just about anything. Mm -hmm. if you're, and, and that's a big epidemic. And it's not getting easier. It's basically when we go to 2025, they predict that obesity will go from 20%, 30%. And the pandemic has not helped because gyms have been closed and people aren't moving enough and they're ordering all the food and they're eating all kinds of crap and they have stress. So... I think this is the biggest problem we have right now, and that has led me to establish my um, 
the, the biker center and everything that we do around biohacking to extend health span. And health span is basically extending healthy years in your life. And it's about moving from healthcare, which is based on insight, based on reacting to things that happen, basically you already have symptoms. And it's most cases too late or too slow to fix things or to health span where you take action already before you're sick, like 10, 20 years before, and we can do biomedical testing and different treatments and uh, preventive measures, um, dietary lifestyle related things that will massively slow down the aging process and help you to live longer and healthier. And I think that's, that's kind of obvious because it is cheaper to increase health than it is to treat disease. While at the moment, most of the resources go into treating disease. Um, I believe that in the near future, a lot more resources will increasingly go into preventive side and uh, patient-centric um, health and well-being, kind of precision medicine, tailored personalized approaches to health and well-being based on your genetics and lab, lab work and nutritional programs and microbiome. So there's a lot of science and technology that exists today that didn't exist or was not easily available 10 years ago, which is enabling all this. So I think HealthSpan is a big topic and that's why the next Biker Summit in Helsinki, um, 3 and 4 of June, will focus on reversing aging and extending health span because i think it's one of the most important topics right now yeah i agree with you i believe it's more about preventative health rather than reacting to an already healthy individual like you said and i believe um yeah with stuff like vaccines and antibiotic use uh, it's uh, actually causing us more damage than harm at the um more damage than benefit at the moment with way too aggressive vaccine schedules and overuse of antibiotics ruining our microbiome, causing a huge dysbiosis, which then goes on to leaky gut and all the rest of it. And I just believe that if there was more education into health span and preventative health and the world would be a different place. So I agree with you, Timu. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's of course, like all these things that you mentioned, like, antibiotics and vaccines, they have their place. Like there's definitely situations where antibiotics can save your life. They can of course, of course, yeah. But it's, it's the overutilization of this and also using antibiotics to treat, let's say, viral disease. A very simple yeah. lab test done to discover if, let's say, a flu that you're having, it's, if it's viral-based or if it's bacterial-based. And if it's bacterial-based, antibiotics can have a place. But if it's viral antibiotics have very little uh, benefit in that context but still we prescribe to people things without going to the lab fully and checking what's going on i agree and, uh, yeah but in the end it's also about um i think like um, some of the side effects of these treatments of course like with the dysbiosis and uh eradication of a lot of helpful, beneficial bacterial species in, in the context of antibiotic treatments can cause more harm than the um, 
let's say, speedier recovery from even a bacterial-based uh, infection. So it, it's probably wise to postpone or avoid those kind of treatments if you can, if you recover just fine on, on your own. But in some cases... Of course, they, they yeah. But I'm yeah. talking about, you know, like uh, GPs. There's a huge correlation between... Um, the overuse of antibiotics in infants for things like ear infections. And then this goes on to predispose, predispose the infant to a dysbiotic microbiome, which goes on to like asthma, eczema, autism, obesity. There's a huge correlation. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just think that needs to be like looked at. It needs to have a second look. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you're growing up, it's the studies show that the more you're exposed to different types of bacterial env environments and even infections, the healthier your immune system is when you grow up. Yes, so for sure. You need an evolved immune system. Yeah, we evolve our immune systems. And if you are like living in a sterile, sanitized environment all the time and you're not eating dirt, you're more likely to have <laughs> like dysbiosis and uh, different problems. Um, autoimmune disease as you grow older. So the studies show that the diversity of the microbiome is um, increasing general immunity and narrow um, diversity of uh, microbiome, meaning that the different bacterial species, there's uh, specific ones are dominating and there's less of kind of a long tail of different type of species is, is increasing risk for um, lower immunity and uh, autoimmune disease and many of many other conditions yeah. and one way how you can contribute to that is also eating um a diet which is not diverse meaning that you're just eating the same foods over and over again it doesn't really matter if it's what it's based if it's plant-based if it's if it's meat-based but if you're just like eating the same stuff over and over again you're feeding only specific bacteria and the ones um, that would maybe feed on some other kind of things, they will uh, lower in number. And I've, I've spoken to microbiome researchers and when we talk about probiotics or we talk about healthy bacteria, the question is like, how many? Like even too much of a good thing can be bad. So basically the balance and diversity is key here. And I also seen like some studies on in, like on young, young children, but in some cases they have noticed benefic benefits of um, having like parasites when you grow up. Like that's one thing that we're afraid when we really uh, dirt that parasites might be harmful. Yes, there's many opportunistic mm. pathogens are pretty bad, but they can also serve beneficial role in small numbers in our guts for immunity. Uh, and there's different mechanisms wow. that have how that works, especially when you grow up. So it turns out that our bodies are infested with different things, microorganisms, bacteria, fungus. I mean, if you take even something like, um, um, so, so if you take like a typical uh, fungal infection uh, candida like, candida albicans that's like a opportunistic yeah. one right 
yeah, yeast infections and so on. Yeah. Actually, you need those guys. You need them in small numbers. You do. They, you do in small numbers. Yeah. Yes. Health. If you would eradicate uh, candida from your body fully, you would actually die. So <laughs> you need. We are we are <laughs> living in a symbiotic relationship with different organisms, and the problem is once one species gets out of hand and starts to dominate, it can be a bacteria, it can be a fungus, it can be a freaking mm. parasite. So, yeah, I mean, there's all these symbiotic relationships. I mean, in nature, you can see, like, symbiotic relationship between parasites and hosts, um, which are benefiting both. Like, there's these fish that have uh, opportunistic parasites that are eating, you know, all the leftover food that they leave behind. And those those are conditions which are actually helpful to the fish to keep, you know, everything clean and, and well-functioning. It's the same with plants in the root systems. They, they cooperate with fungus, for example, to receive some nutrients that they don't have easy access to in exchange mm-hmm. to opening doors for the fungus to live and prosper. Yeah. So, the tree has a mushroom, for example, that is a symbiotic relationship. So it's basically the tree has a fungal infection, but it's beneficial to the tree. And yeah. um, so there's there's this mycelial network and intelligence that is um, is present. So our understanding of like health is still developing. And in some situations, yeah, something could kill you totally. Um, they have, for example, what they have linked, they have linked Alzheimer's to, um, herpes, for example, that somehow, really, yes, your immune system weakens, um, that stuff can like proliferate in your brain. And it's one of the contributing factors. Really? Yeah, while while herpes like long, wow. might might be just like dormant and not like really causing much of an issue, but like as you age, as your immune system weakens, like these things can get out of hand. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, I haven't heard so, that before. Yeah, it's like human yeah. papillomavirus, a contributing factor to cancer, but for most people, it's yeah, like, yeah, I've heard that, yeah, and it's not really causing much of a problem so in the end like mm-hmm. to live long you have to have like a well-balanced ecosystem and body and if you talk about health yeah uh i mean even if you accumulate through your life all, all kinds of contributing factors and risk risk it doesn't mean you're gonna die in it, it doesn't mean you're gonna get alzheimer's disease and die in it uh it's it's all about probabilities how you're playing mm-hmm. the cards or the odds in your favor or against you that is what health planning ultimately is so we we, we all will die <laughs> in the end <laughs> but the question is like how quickly and painfully you want that to happen and um, even if you do everything you might be hit by a car so yeah the, yeah we never know what's going to take us but at least you can be more conscious i think be like the interest in healthman means that you're a more conscious being and you're interested in like um, keeping the system inside of you and outside of you and the relationship with the environment in some kind of homeostasis or balance or sync, which in the end leads to more harmonious uh, life.
So mm-hmm. I guess nice, nice explanation. Thank you so much. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we definitely have our own little universe inside of us, living in our gastrointestinal tract, and it's super important that we pay attention to them and look after them. Yeah, that's yeah, the way I so. see it. I've got my own little Milky Way. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's also like quite, quite. Um, I mean, these these concepts have been understood in thousands of years. Old, yeah, Hippocrates. Not centuries, even before they had microscopes. He said they that, kind didn't of, he? Five. So the complexity of the in- environment inside of you is akin to the complexity of the like the whole universe in a way if you look at the brain for example it's it's a massive network just like the whole universe is and the microcosm and the macrocosm are mirroring each other to a certain degree there's definitely like a symbiotic relationship right there and one way how i see like how disease manifests is like when these harmonious nature natural patterns and fractals when and, and complexity when that stuff like gets malformed or gets out of hand you you can see it in cancer for example that decides not to cooperate mm. in the harmonious network but it just like decides to try to escape and live on its own and create a competing setup and that often shows in if you look at like microscopic images like you have let's say beautiful lung tissue and then it just starts to malform because of like something got out of hand and we have like different technical or scientific explanation what's going on like that there is a a disturbance of uh, apoptosis which is the programmed cell death so just cells decide not to die and i see Mm -hmm. it's kind of a nature's way of evolution as well like some organism decides not to cooperate and it creates like some kind of attempt for escape and this is the process through which evolution has happened like how bacteria for example like ancient eukaryotes have migrated in the center of the cell to create mitochondria mitochondria exactly and mitochondria is kind of the energy center of the Mm -hmm. cell so we actually have ancient bacteria even ancient viruses um, that have incorporated themselves into our dna and into our cells and we are what one could describe as a holobiont holobiont is basically a combination of different types of forms of life um in one so super clever yeah, who you are basically is like the boundary is not very clear. Like mm-hmm. where you start and where do you end? Like we know that if you change your diet and you change your microbiome, it can literally change your thinking. It can literally change your body. Um, if you look at the human body, every single cell in your body gets replaced. Uh, most of it within a year. Some of them like in a few months, some of them even, even within a few days. So you're literally becoming like a new person every second and your lifestyle is a contributing factor to that. Many people describe like in a way like waking up to good health and learning to live and 
lead a healthier, better life, as some kind of transformation that they don't even recognize the old themselves and how like lights turn on or, you know, people have different descriptions of it. Mm. It's, it's like, uh, it's like a transformation that is not just like uh, a couple of ticks of movement in your blood work, but it's like basically a paradigm shift of who you are. You still have the same name, but the way how you carry yourself becomes different. And that is interesting to me for sure like what's going on there I, and i definitely witnessed that when i changed my own diet <clears throat> when i healed myself over 10 years ago from chronic disease i decided to go on a diet that now we would be describing as a ketogenic or anti-inflammatory or elimination type diet and i just was on that stuff for four or five months and I realized like massive changes and improvements in my well-being and who I am and it kind of I'm became happy for you. thanks for sharing yeah so I, I, many people have these kind of experiences with um, health so in the end like you're a robot repeating yourself over and over again and people actually change very slowly um, when you change your diet there's like drastic changes in the biochemistry that manifests themselves over time and you won't know until you try and you won't know until you try long enough like several yeah. months and uh like with cyclical ketogenic diet for example or doing one meal a day or fasting type of protocols you won't see immediate um changes in in a week or two you need to go long term and that's when you start to experience some type of um, uh, compound effect or transformation that comes out of doing these things um, uh, in a in a consistent way, and that is very interesting. And it's very hard to like put your finger on what's actually happening there. What's the scientific basis of everything? But we're still discovering like the different mechanisms. We can talk about the inflammation. We can talk about um, nutrient delivery. We can talk about um, like how different things are contributing to autophagy, for example, the way how the body is recycling damaged cells. We can talk about growth hormone, um, hor hormones in general, like estrogen and testosterone and whatnot. But those are like technical details of like a much more complex paradigm shift that happens when you really take charge of your health. And that's what I find biohacking is very interesting for yeah. because it's taking a science-based but experimental approach where you try things on yourself and just having an opinion about it by reading a paper or talking to an expert but you actually you actually try things on yourself and see if it's true and you have to do it consistently and not many people actually have the um, i guess agency to do it um there's a huge adherence problem so people like relapse in so many different ways of uh, not not doing the things that are good to them and, and re relying on um, quick rewards but once you kind of tame the ancient reptilian brain and uh, <laughs> bring the higher structures into play which realized that yeah i have to change myself to change the world 
and that's from which like uh, true change can come from. So it's also like a elevation of consciousness in a way. Cool. Yeah, you could say that, um, you know, when you actually incorporate biohacking and you stick to it, uh, if you've been having some seriously bad health issues and you see those health issues change, you could say, you know, it's like a huge transformation in your life, like a second birth, because you actually get to experience the joy and the passion and the beauty of life and you let go of disease. Oh, yeah. This is, this is so true and um, exciting also at the same time. But you won't know until you try. That's kind of that's kind of a funny thing. Like yeah. to walk it. I have to say, yeah. I've been trying a ketogenic diet for around a month now. And I've definitely seen my mood in, uh, change the most. My anxiety is so much better, so much better. Oh, good to hear. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. like, um, when I did that change, like I noticed like some increased irritation and stuff like that for the first like weeks of adaptation, but that yeah. then faded. Um, I got much better like energy and motivation and con concentration out of a diet like that. And it's it's interesting, like once you try something like that and then you go back to your old habits, like let's say you eat like some some really hard pizza. Yeah, you could do pizza or like like any kind of like fast carbohydrates. It hits you even more than before. Then you just like see, oh my god, there's a huge difference like in tiredness and like it just feels like poison in a way. Uh and I do love eating. pizza though. Yeah, pizza is amazing <laughs> for sure. I don't know I'm if I can give that up. I'm also a believer that like when you start like a health transformation, people go a little bit fundamentalist and it's it's kind of needed also. Like you you, you just wanna really like delicately live that lifestyle and you have you kind of like to be able to get into it like um you're looking for advice as well like okay so how many calories how many carbs how many fats like you're calculating things and you're kind of like you become a sl slightly rigid and fundamentalist about it and and that's what happens to a lot of health people but if you really really like examine things in detail you're not gonna die of eating one pizza a month like you're not gonna die of you know drinking alcohol once a month um, yeah. The problem comes cumulatively. Like if you do that every day or you do it every single weekend, like hardcore, uh, that might have an effect. There is a very well-known technique um, popularized by Tim Ferriss um, in which you basically are on a ketogenic type of a diet, high fat, high protein setup, and you have once a week, you have a cheat meal. And so a cheat day, basically that you have the full freedom to to load yourself with all the crap that you don't normally eat and it's kind of um giving you also that mental relief um but the whole trick is that you immediately the next day you throw throw all that crap out and you go back to the basics and the next week you, you have your cheat day again and there's a metabolic effect and a benefit of doing it which is basically 
uh, the way how it describes it is that when you load your system with carbs um, and it's not expecting it, it's kind of going like, oh, wow, uh, I need, we need to burn now like a lot of like energy and fat and all that. It, it kind of changed the hormonal environment briefly. And when you immediately go back to the fat burning type of diet, it actually has a boosted effect. So for example, for weight loss, doing that kind of like cycle is actually even more effective instead of just avoiding okay. carbs together, like if you do it once a week. And there's some benefits also for women of doing it, which is what you're basically doing there. You're doing carb refeeding. And women, for example, can lose uh, periods um, by going too crazy on a ketogenic diet. Uh, it, it, there's many different factors there, but for women, it, it helps to, to have like carbs occasionally. And if you're okay. an athlete, um, it can also help to restore uh, glycogen storages and stuff like that. So uh, you have to like listen to your body and look at the blood work and figure out what really works for you. And if you go crazy and you lose your periods or you have like some other weird conditions, like maybe maybe that diet is not good for you. And there is like people who don't do very well on a high fat diet because of genetic reasons. So they're, they're like lipid biomarkers can go crazy. Normally it goes crazy for everyone in the beginning on the adaptation phase, but then everything kind of normalizes, but some people get um, like adverse effects of, of going on a setup like that. And yeah. if you for have APOE4, which is genetic um, marker um, switch that is linked to Alzheimer's disease and cardiovascular disease, in that type of population, for example, high cholesterol has been linked to to problems, but if you don't have APOE4, um, high cholesterol doesn't necessarily, especially in the context of low inflammation, won't be as, as damaging or problematic. So we are all individuals and there is no one size fits all. There is no single diet that is perfect. Uh, you have to find what works for you for your longevity. And mm -hmm. one thing that I recommend to do, like if you've never done it, is to check like your um, like autoimmune reactions to to different foods. So if you are like hidden, um, if you have hidden food sensitivities or allergies that don't have very obvious, like visible effect, but your system is still like fighting those things. Um, if you discover the IgE values and maybe an IgG and you kind of optimize your diet based on food sensitivities, um, you will notice probably that if you have autoimmune disease that the, or you have occasional hives or you have occasional this and that, um, it might, uh, or you have dysbiosis or you have allergies, those can, they, they don't necessarily go fully away, but they can become very much manageable. So what I noticed, for example, when I went on a elimination type diet and I eliminated things that I'm a little bit sensitive to, but not like I would die if I eat it. I would, <laughs> I would see like compound effects where I wouldn't have like 
tree allergies anymore. Like when the summer came along and the pollen, I wouldn't okay. need to um, antihistamines anymore. So I was like, my system was not overreacting anymore because the general stimulation of the immune system was much lower. So in the presence of foreign proteins, which is pollen, my system was not overreacting anymore. So it's really interesting. Like that. Um, and it's very hard to just, because many people like they say, say stuff like, yeah, I eat like healthy, basic, you know, food, like self-prepared, whatever. It doesn't mean that it's perfect for you. Like if you don't do your labs, you won't know what is causing reaction. If it's not obvious, you won't see if you are deficient on certain, certain foods. And I can say to you that everyone is deficient on something. Even if you take all the supplements and you supposedly eat healthy food, there's always deficiencies or imbalances. And uh, there's some things that are very hard to put your finger on. Like if you have low iron, which is very common in women, you might have like um, tiredness, fatigue, uh, lack of motivation, stuff like that. And it can be just iron. And then bringing like red meat or organ meats into your diet or having way more like dark leafy green vegetables might, might fix the issue. Like it's not that you're depressed or you have winter blues or life is pointless, just like low iron. So you won't know this by just feeling. Um, so you have mm. to really look occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to learn from you, Timu. So much information. Thank you so much. Yeah. So what do you think about telomeres? Because hyperbaric oxygen has been shown to lengthen them by up to 38%. And I know that they're considered the holy grail of biological aging. Yeah, yeah, like telomere shortening has been linked to DNA damage. So the ends of your um, DNA strands, they, they get shorter. And when your cells replicate, um, that more easily leads to um, like broken information. It's kind of like thinking about a cell as like, copying itself with um, like a photocopying machine. Over time, it just loses information and telomere mm -hmm. shortening is one of the contributing factors to it. Now, it's a good question if like telomere length alone is like somehow like the holy grail of aging because um, they have also shown that if you increase telomere length, that can actually lead to cancer. <laughs> so, oh, really? Um, yeah, like if if you go crazy about stuff like that. So, okay, like the whole thing is that the human body is uh, it's a homeostatic system, and telomere length is one factor. Definitely, if you get DNA damage or you shorten your telomeres with lifestyle related issues, like some compounds or treatments that might increase telomere length is beneficial. So some of the things that I, if I remember correctly are helpful, there's also some botanicals. One of them is called astragalus. Astragalus is, um, it's kind of, it's also called the longevity tea because it has shown at least in, not necessarily human studies, but in Petri dish studies and so on to, to increase telomere length. So there's some foods and combat. since then they're discovered more that might be increasing telomere length. You mentioned also hyperbaric oxygen. I bet things like 
um, low stress environments, more sleep, uh, adequate exercise might also be a contributing factor to slowing down the shortening of telomeres. But like if we like develop a drug that automatically extends telomeres, that can actually also lead to some type of imbalance. So when we consider aging, there's multiple different processes going on and telomere shortening is just one. And if you can, with lifestyle and et cetera, like at least help um, that situation, like that's just one of those mechanisms. But it's kind of like too much antioxidants. Like if you have like a lot of pro-oxidants in your body, like antioxidants are helpful to reduce um, the production of inflammatory compounds. Now, if you overdo antioxidants, that has actually shown to contribute to increased risk of cancer because then the type of cells that should die, they just keep on going. And uh, in that context, like too much antioxidants is actually uh, harmful. So when you say that, like in health, a lot of people are talking about, yeah, I'm just getting my antioxidants. The question is like, okay, how much and is it good for you over time? Definitely like if you're not getting any, getting some will have a massive improvement. And if you are fighting a disease, like getting a little bit more antioxidants than normally might be beneficial. Like there's so many different compounds, in, especially in plants. Uh, quercetin comes to mind, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. Anthocyanins are giving kind of the blue pigment, the blueberries and, and some other 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 botanicals and berries um so anthocyanins are also contributing factors to eye health um but they're very powerful antioxidants and often like the dark pigments are the strongest antioxidants in nature you can take like anything that has very strong color or pigment like you take curry or you take uh, lingonberries or bilberries or blueberries or I knew black. you were going to say bilberries. <laughs> yeah, bilberries. I like, knew. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, but not many people know. Like they say, yeah, blueberries. Yeah, you too. love those. Yeah, I think blueberries. Um, Pussy cousin of bilberry. Uh, yeah, it's the bread bush uh, that has actually more carbohydrates than anthocyanins and other like vitamins bilberry is the one that grows on the ground and it actually has exponentially more of these dark pigments and uh, anthocyanins and vitamins um antioxidants in general than the typical blueberry and bilberry is like it's a wild thing it grows on the ground um it fights for its life and because of that environment it produces more of the protective compounds and it turns out that in nature a lot of things actually need stress to produce uh resilient and, and complex biochemistry like if you take medicinal mushrooms for example the stuff grown in lab will not be necessarily as strong as something in the wild the same with if you take like curcumin or kalangal or um uh, ginger those are roots that will benefit of living in the wild and trying to protect themselves from pathogens and fungus and bacteria and that the compounds that we seek in them for health 
and immunity actually are produced by the plant for its uh, for it to protect itself from these kind of situations. It doesn't produce that complex chemistry without being attacked. So it's the same with like herbs in your garden, the stuff grown indoors in controlled environments without pests is mm. going to have the best um, beneficial compounds than something that grows in the wild, in wild soil and needs to protect itself from um, pathogens and bacteria and, and pests and whatever. So when we use like uh, <clears throat> different ways to spray on our plants to supposedly reduce it being attacked by different opportunistic pathogens, you are actually also reducing its need to protect itself, which it does chemically. So we actually diverged from um, mushrooms and plants like millennia ago by developing more of a physical barrier as part of our immune system, while let's say mushrooms grew a chemical or biochemical immune system because it doesn't have like a strong layer like skin and saliva and whatever microbiome it actually needs to produce some chemistry to protect itself it basically produces its own antibiotics and that's kind of funny because a lot of the antibiotics that we have now in medicine actually come from let's say mushrooms or molds that are producing like penicillin is a good example is actually a kind of a natural antibiotic that the, that the fungal species produces to protect itself in nature. And we just extract that and we use that to treat human disease. And that's how most of the antibiotics have been discovered, that those are like compounds that other species are producing to protect themselves chemically. Yeah, so... Okay. <clears throat> I understand. Nice. Nice, so much knowledge, so much knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, just I'm gonna just take some mushrooms now because I need some <laughs> chemical immune system. You know, so I'm, I'm actually some... um, I'm thinking about ordering take a pizza. Intro, right? <laughs> I think yeah. I'm also take I'm also gonna take Angelica Arc, Angelica. You do that, uh, you do that, Timu. Yeah, this this stuff is like really good for immunity as well. Yeah, very well. You you oh yeah you you haven't been there a while. You've had the uh, the COVID. Yeah, I had the you COVID. kicked his ass. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to like fuck up your algorithm by talking too much about it. But oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm already quite shadow bound. Oh well. Yeah, if you do the research and you look at the different compounds that are have been have shown to be helpful with it. And you just do that all um, early on in the disease, you're less likely to have like adverse reaction to it. Mm. Of course, you never know. But that's the same for any other uh, virus as well, like influenza or common cold. Yeah. The earlier you start um, things, um, the, the, the better the, the outcome is going to be. So for me, it was like, the main part was like 48 hours and then it was gone. I felt just completely fine. And then there Good. was like a secondary, secondary like wave, which is mainly, I mean, the pathogen was dead already, but my immune system is kind of overreacting to its debris. And 
that took like a few days to clear out but like I, I was a bit disappointed in it like i expected more of a fight <laughs> so i've actually <laughs> never anything as i did from this one so i'm very grateful i know some people might i'm grateful to grateful that yeah, but you like, recovered yeah yeah so it's it's kind of surprises me that we still believe that yeah there is no other way but just you know sleep and wait and drink fluids like that's the common like uh, treatment approach or like throwing some painkillers on it which actually actually slowed down the recovery process so there is no like uh, nsad or painkiller that's somehow going to miraculously like speed up your recovery most of them are actually slowing things down so those are the mm. like official patients they actually can be potentially making some things worse like studies have shown like in the case of influenza like you, you might actually extend your immune system's capability of clearing the virus out like you have a fe fever for a reason the fever is is an important immune reaction to clear out of course of course like if you have way too high fever that becomes dangerous you want to bring that down with drugs but most cases like you better not like you just um there's a reason why you need to be in a bed and not work and i i think what comes out of this whole um pandemic also is like people are maybe a bit more aware if they have like symptoms or sickness that they don't just go to work and make their situation yeah. worse or potentially infect other people because i remember like before the pandemic it was just normal like if you had just a little bit of symptoms you should go to work and everyone else also gets sick and it's just like normal but now it's like you're maybe more uh conscious about stuff like that but in terms of the compounds like most of the medication or treatment actually comes beforehand so starting to do something once you have something it's already too late it's just like with the chronic diseases once you have symptoms it's kind of already too late to do i mean you can still do damage control um but for example if you take the case of vitamin d most of that is beneficial if you have high enough levels to start with and it's kind of well it's not totally late but it's it's a bit too late like start to dose on it once you see symptoms um you, you want to have like good numbers already beforehand so for that reason also people should eat like a diverse diet full of yeah. antioxidants, vitamins and uh, minerals and uh, exercise and practice stress management and many other things and it's it's going to be beneficial to you uh, long term if you do that consistently instead of trying to fix things once they already go south mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. So thank you so much, Timu. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I really appreciate your most valuable time. It's been amazing talking to you. And just to summarize, you have the Biohackers Retreat in April in Estonia. Am I correct? Right. And yeah, then we have yes. the Biohackers Summit in Finland in June. Right, yeah. And... Um... You can find more information at biohackersummit.com and biohackersretreats.com. 
as well as our online store, which has links to these and also some biking related nutrition supplements and technology products at biohackercenter.com. And if you're interested in, in my book, The Biker's Handbook, or to pre-order the book is the amazing. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, the, the book is, is literally amazing. Like when I read the book, like it's one of... It just has everything. It, it has everything. And even like, I love all the pictures and the infographics, like in the book, they're so cute. Like they make the book so good. Yeah, it's a big part of that. Like we, we just wanted to make sure it has, it's, it, that it's able to communicate as clearly as possible. Yeah. Complex, understandable manner. And yeah. that's the pictures of it. So the sequel is called The Resilient Being, which is all about building resilience from physical to mental to, to environmental or contextual spiritual resilience even. Like just a holistic approach to resilience. And it, it goes from the level of mitochondria up to the cell, up to the whole like um, bio, biochemical, bioelectrical like messenger system in your body to, to organ systems, to, to, to you and society and environment and family and friends and your like evolution and development as a human being it's kind of a big work it's going to be even bigger than the previous book um, wow i can't wait <laughs> yeah, that's, i will that's, definitely that's have be, it on my coffee table well yeah it's going to be big uh and it's um it's already in pre-order one can find more information bikercenter.com or yay um, being book.com i guess cool yeah so uh, but i'm really looking forward to meeting you soon as well like um yeah so i miss you so much you're going to come to dubai soon am i correct that's where i am at the moment everyone so i hope yeah, team comes to visit me <laughs> i'm very i'm very interested in like development of health and well-being in locations like the middle east and uh, some it's like a big the different upcoming thing here yeah it's very Absolutely. upcoming here yeah, yeah, it is. And in the Middle East, they have actually a pretty high number of um, occurrence of diabetes. And Yeah, I was about to say diabetes not, here is like really high. I think it's something to do with the genetics. There's some genetic components, but they also yeah. have pretty low levels. And it's kind of funny because you're in a place which has probably more sun than anywhere else. And you have some of the lowest vitamin D numbers. So that's a contributing factor to a lot of problems. And mm. uh, I mean, something about modern lifestyle and living in um air-conditioned indoors all the time and yeah the lifestyle here is um well it's like you know obviously some would say it can be you know quite luxury and no one really walks here everyone sort of drives around like there's no public yeah. transport really um so yeah i can yeah. see why diabetes and obesity and ect is quite high it is, yeah, and and you basically live like pretty tightly controlled climate in a way because you are like constantly in 20, 22 degrees, twenty two to twenty four degrees in in air conditioned indoors and cars, and you have freaking elevators uh, going everywhere, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's elevators so like the hundredth floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been and in the water cool here. The the wa yeah. the water here is um like the shower water. It's like really like it's really recycled, and even the yeah. sea here, even the sea. When I go in the sea here, it doesn't give me the same 
vibe as like Ibiza or something. Right. Yeah. Anyway, like Helsinki and Finland in summer, springtime is probably the best place to be. And we have the cleanest air. We have the cleanest water. (laughs) Really nice, diverse nature. It's just like when people come here, they are just like amazed about the air quality and they just want to spend here like more than than i've never been yeah i've never been to finland but estonia oh my god actually when i went to estonia i couldn't believe the quality of like the air i've got to say yeah it's just one of the cleanest as well and like after dubai or london okay any big oh my god Once you come here, like you're like, what? What is this? Like, oh my god, I can breathe again. I'm very excited. So very much if you have like some some respiratory issues, like this, the place to be. Do you but know yeah, what's really uh, bad in Dubai? The electromagnetic smog. Oh yeah. Like the EMS, like it's really bad here. Like I I feel like it's worse in London. And when you go into the desert here, like when you you go into the desert, you drive into the desert, and you actually sit in the desert you're like you can actually you can think clearly and like when you're actually in the city it's like you can't even you can't even think and then when you have the change in the desert you realize all the emf and it's crazy yeah yeah i don't also tell all the light pollution everything like yeah oh my god (laughs) yeah there's fireworks here every night everything everything's going on cars rooming all those supercars yeah so so much petroleum burned but you have to come you have to come (laughs) i'm very excited all right so yeah thanks for this interview and i'm looking forward to oh you're so welcome i'm looking forward to our future together yeah let's do that all right thanks jessica thank you so much timu bye 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 now I know.